Hello there, and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. I'm glad you've taken time out of your day to be part of this podcast. I'm encouraged that you've downloaded and taken time of your day to listen to this. I please ask that you follow us or like us on your favorite app and share our information with others that would be beneficial for them as well. We'd like to thank you for following us. Many people are starting to do so. And when you follow us, you get an alert on your uh, podcast app that we have released our weekly podcast. Today I want to talk about Eli and Sons. And we're going to be mainly in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we'd like to follow along. Have you ever had something go bad in your refrigerator or icebox? How can you tell when food is spoiled? Well, one of the first hints might be is when you open the door, it smells like something has died inside. Someone has come up with this list I found on the internet which uh, can help you determine whether our food has gone bad without having to smell it. It says here, any canned good that has become the size or the shape of a softball should be disposed of carefully. If you can take chip dip out of its container and it will bounce on the floor, it's gone bad. A carrot that you can tie into a knot is not fresh. Potatoes are generally do not have roots and branches and leafy uh, substance growing under them. Milk is spoiled when it starts to look like yogurt. Yogurt is spoiled when it starts to look like cottage cheese. Cottage cheese is spoiled when it starts to look like regular cheese. And cheddar cheese is spoiled when you think it's blue cheese, but you realize you never bought blue cheese. In fact, is you don't like it. See, there's a number of ways that you can tell if, if food has spoiled in your refrigerator. But when it when does it really become rotten? What do you do with it? Well, most of us throw it away. In America, we waste a lot of money this way in food. But some places, they, they give it to the pigs. Now, this is appropriate for food, but what about when part of your family becomes spoiled? What actions should you take when your children start to act rotten? What happens when the influence of, of the world make it too great uh, of an inroad into your family's life? This is an issue that we're going to look at today in the podcast here entitled Eli and Sons. We're going to talk about Eli and his sons and, and the evil that they, that they did before the Lord. Jerusalem at this time uh, does not belong to the Israelites. They would take place under King David about 80 or 90 years on down the road here in the future. And so the tabernacle was set up in the city of Asholah. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But it's in northern Israel. And Eli has been the priest of Israel now for about 40 years. But he had not entirely been a successful father. Eli's sons were guilty of terrible sins of disobedience to God and sinning against the people of Israel. Eli's sons, they, they were wicked men, and they really had no regard for the Lord. And somebody's going to email me and say, oh, you're judging those people. 
you shouldn't be judging. Well, I'm not judging. I'm just we're that's what the text says that we're about to read. So, First Samuel chapter two, verse twelve through seventeen. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. There you go. They're no good. Uh, they did not know the Lord. And the custom of the priest uh, with the people, when any man was offering a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged pork in his hand. Then he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or clad iron or pot, and all that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. Thus he did this and showed to all the people of Israel who came there. Verse 15. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servants would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest meat for roasting, as he will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. If the man said to him, They might surely be burning the fat first, and then take as much as you desire, then he, then he would say, No, but I, I shall give it to, you shall give it to me now, and if not now, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men were very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. Basically what they're doing is they're stealing offerings from the people that they were giving to God. And here, just a few verses down, starting in verse 22. Now, Eli was a very old, and he heard all that his sons were doing to all of Israel, and how they lay with the women who served at the doorway at the tent of meeting. He said to them, Why do you do such things, evil things that I hear from all these people? No, my sons, for the report is not good which I hear the Lord's people circulating. So basically we're, we're being told that the boys uh, of Eli were really very, uh, they're not very nice men at all. And they forced themselves upon the meat of the temple, uh, the women at the temple, and the goodwill of the worshipers of God. God's people were, were being abused. God's place was being desecrated. And God's provisions were being stolen. God was so displeased with their behavior that he will send a prophet warning Eli to take action. But Eli, uh, he didn't take any action. All he did really is talk to them. And he would ask them a few questions. And, but it doesn't seem to be taken very seriously by the boys at all. And what's, what's the difference would Eli's words uh, have made Apparently none. The boys didn't care. Uh, so basically, Eli could not have done anything to change his son's destiny. He could have done something to save their lives. I don't know. I would like to think that if he would have been more firm with them and, and maybe perhaps a little more strict, uh, had some discipline, that maybe he could have changed them. You know, the scripture says God... God's mind was pretty well made up on this subject. I would like to think, though, again, that Eli, if he would have just at least tried to shake up his kids, maybe, maybe the outcome would have been different. And I was always impressed uh, over the years of fathers who would not only talk to their sons at church, 
Uh, but they also got their child's attention. And those boys didn't really seem to ever get in trouble again. Eli did not get the attention of his sons. Eli, again, I still think he could have done something, uh, but he did not do anything. To stop his boys from their lewd behavior and their sinful ways, he just gave them this good old talking to, and ultimately uh, it led to their tragic deaths. And God tells us that if we really want the best for our children when they are rebellious and disobedient, uh, sometimes you got to do more than just talk. Proverbs 19.18 says, Discipline your son while there is hope, and do not desire his death. You see, if your sons or any of your daughters, too, if they're out doing things they're not supposed to be doing, uh, it could get them hurt, it could get them killed, it could throw them in jail. Uh, and that's not what we should want as parents. And Eli, he never got the hang of disciplining his kids. Uh, he's really become a, a willing party to his son's death as well. I do not believe Eli caused his son's destruction only because he didn't discipline them. I believe Eli led his sons uh, to their destruction because of his own example. You see, Eli had a problem. And we're really given a hint about that problem in chapter 4 of 1 Samuel. And it's a little later on. And we're told that the outcome of a battle that Israel is in, they, they've been fighting against the Philistines. Uh, one of their enemies, and there's a man who will flee the, the battle, and he will come to Eli and give him a, a report of the battle. Starting in verse 16, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4, the man said to Eli, I am the one who came from the battle line. Indeed, I escaped from the battle line today, he said. How did things go, my son? And then the one who brought the news replied, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people, and your two sons also are dead, and the ark of God has been taken. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell off his seat backwards beside the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for he is very old and heavy, and thus he judged Israel for forty years. You know, I don't think it's by accident the Bible tells us that Eli was a heavy man. Uh, there's a man, there's a commentator, his name is John Gill. And I'm going to quote him here. Uh, Gill gives uh, his take on what is meant by this, Eli was full of flesh, uh, or a very fat man. Now Eli, how did he get to be a fat man? And this is quoting this commentator. He ate too much. And where did Eli get his food? From the sacrifices in which God rebukes Eli in. 1 Samuel 2.29 says, why do, you do, why do you kick my sacrifice at my offering which I commanded my dwelling and honor? And you honor your sons above me by making yourselves fat with the choice of every offering my people Israel make. You see, Eli knew his sons were robbing the sacrifices. And Eli was fat because he shared the food uh, that the boys had stolen. He may not have realized how 
how brazen the boys had gotten about it, how bold they were, but he knew and he partook of their sin. He may have even done something like this when they were growing up. Maybe they observed this. And it's hard to rebuke your kids for the sins that you don't want to confront yourselves and don't want to stop committing. It's hard to, to confront a, your child who lies when a parent takes uh, his kids out to a movie house or the restaurant and tries to pass them off as younger than they are so they can get in cheaper or a lower price. It's hard to, to control a child with an attitude problem when the parent often loses their own tempers. It's hard to talk to your kids about drugs when you are drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes and doing drugs yourself. Now, we all need to be honest with ourselves here. There's not a person listening to this podcast, including me, who's without sin. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Thus, we are all... Uh, we're going to mess up as parents. We're going to make mistakes or grandparents, even aunts and uncles, at some point or another in our interaction with our families. The problem doesn't lie in our, our sinning and failing as a parent. The problem lies not in owning up to our own faults. It lies in not admitting to our sin. It really comes down to it lies that we're not asking for forgiveness of the wrong that we have done. The best way to disarm this destructive nature of your own shortcomings and your own sin is to own up to the fact that you've been doing wrong. Admit that our actions were sinful and then ask for forgiveness. I think this is some of King David's problem uh, with his children as well. Uh, he had, David had done some things in his life and his children knew it. And he kind of looked the other way. But Proverbs 28, 13 says this, He who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. See, Eli did not do that. He did not admit to his errors. He did not uh, forsake his own. Eli probably just made excuses for why he was like the way he was and refused to confront himself about his own failings, his own sins. And his sin, his sons would discover them and they would follow in their own father's footsteps. And they all really ended up facing the wrath of God. And so Eli failed his sons because he refused to discipline them and because he already set a bad example for them, ultimately... Eli's biggest problem was that he loved his kids more than he loved God. Jesus will make a statement about this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now Jesus is saying this, that we should not love our kids no, it's not what he said, and I've heard people say that. Absolutely not. Uh, the Father loves us as his children. We are to love our kids. There's nothing wrong with loving our children. And sometimes we may not uh, do as much as we should, but the fact of the matter is, whenever we love our children more than we do God, we're setting up our family for failure. 
there are people who are, are trying to tell us that uh, they don't want us or we should not force our faith and, and Christian beliefs on our children. They want us to allow our children to grow up and to make up their own mind whether or not uh, they want to have their parents' religion. Well, this is a lie that's being fed to us by the world, and they don't. the world does not know God. And they really don't even care what God really has to say on the subject of raising children. Granted, there's a wrong way to tell your children about Jesus, and there's a wrong way to sell your faith to your children. But the fact of the matter is, God demands that we guide our children to Him. If we love God, this is not an option. If we love our children, this is not an option. Why would we want to see our children be sent to hell? Because we failed to teach them the gospel story. See, God, again, He expects us to teach our faith in our families. There's an illustration along this topic that's been circulating the internet for several years now and has come back around here recently. It says, I had a drug problem when I was a young person and teenager. I was drugged to church on Sunday morning. I was drugged to church on Sunday night. I was drugged to church on Wednesday night. I was drugged to Sunday school every week. I was drugged to vocational Bible school. I was drugged to the family meeting to read the Bible and to pray. I was also drugged to the woodshed when I disobeyed my parents, told a lie, brought home a bad report card, did not speak with respect, or spoke ill of a teacher or the preacher. Those drugs are still in my veins, and they will affect my behavior in everything that I do and say and think. They are stronger than cocaine, crack, or heroin. If your children had this drug problem, America certainly would be a better place. I think we could add the world would be a better place, all the countries. America is not the only one that has a drug problem. But whenever you put your children's sports, schools, their leisure time, career, whatever you put ahead of God, that's not what God wants. Then you see, you get in God's way, and ultimately you hurt your children. Instead, you need to be pointing God to your children first. Nothing wrong with sports. They certainly need to go to school. Nothing wrong with a career. We all have to have a job to, to pay for food that those kids eat and put clothes on their back. But isn't it interesting uh, here uh, in First Samuel chapter 1, uh, set up against this backdrop of, of Eli's failure to raise his boys properly, uh, there's a story of another family. And this woman in Israel, her name is Hannah, and she was barren. And to be without children was a really shameful thing in her culture in her day and time. And being a Jewish woman, they, they all wanted to give birth to the Messiah. And she has no children, and she was so desperate to have a child that Hannah, she would go to the tabernacle and plead with God for a son. 1 Samuel 1, 10 and 11 says this, She greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on 
the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come to his head. You see, in contrast to Eli's attempt to, to protect his sons from God, Hannah was willing to give her son to God. Eli's sons died, and, and Hannah's son, Samuel, would become one of the greatest prophets and leaders of Israel in the entire Old Testament. I think it's interesting, this is going on here really early in Eli's life here, and he will actually tell Hannah to go home that she's drunk, she shouldn't be at the temple in that condition. Eli's sons, they lost their homes and families to the wrath of God. Hannah's boy changed a nation and received the blessing of God in the Christian home that God wants. God wants all of us, fathers, to be leaders and to lead our sons and to raise our sons to be leaders in the church and the community. Not to be leeches, but to be providers in spiritual and physical matters in their life to help others as well. Well, this concludes our podcast today. It was by request that we talk about parenting. And this is one example that we were able to come up with and appreciate the, uh, the request. We try to honor those. It might take us a while to get to one and research it out. But we will do our very best. You can contact us through our webpage if you're new to us at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase. And there you may contact us, uh, follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn. There also you may uh, read more about us in our, our faith and our belief. And please make sure to like us and follow us so that next week you get an alert that we have released our next podcast. And I thank you again for listening. May God bless you. And may he have the glory. Yeah.